We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. This is officially episode 33 of the podcast. We are your only 365-day-a-year Packers podcast. We've been going now just over a month, and we've already had 25,000 listens uh, to the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. I'm going to get started right away today because we've got a very special guest. Uh, His name is Jack Wepfer. He is joining us from the Packers Wire. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jack Wepfer. Uh, He's got an article out today on the Packers trading for Antonio Morrison. Jack, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I'm going to kind of jump in uh, right away. Before we do that, I actually want to get a little bit about your story. Tell us how you kind of started following the Packers, how you started writing for the Packers Wire, and how you kind of got yourself into this whole crazy mess. Well, born and raised, season tickets on both sides of my family, but they were both uh, the gold package, the Milwaukee package. So I've been going to games for as long as I can remember. A little bit of backstory, I I played one year of football at 
UW Oshkosh kind of got into it there, was too fat, too slow to uh, continuing on, and they're going more to a spread system anyway. So the fullback position was was dying in right around 2007, 2008. So went into teaching and then, you know, you know, have my summers free. And then last summer, all of a sudden, Zach, uh, Zach Cruz, who manages Packers Wire, was looking for contributors. And, you know, I like I love the Packers. I like doing all that stuff. So I responded and I have a minor in journalism. So I said, what the heck? And, you know, a year later and a few more followers later. And it's been, it's been a fun thing to, uh, to follow, you know, all you guys in the Packers community is, is really cool to hang out with online. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, first of all, you're doing awesome work. I love reading your stuff over at the Packers Wire. I think you guys all do a tremendous job and you've really hit the ground running very, very fast over there. You uh, have been putting out content for a while now that I've really enjoyed reading. So what I want to kind of touch base on first, I know you pumped out the article immediately today on Antonio Morrison. Uh, For those who are listening that are not aware, Green Bay today made a trade. They traded cornerback Lindsey Pipkins for Antonio Morrison. Morrison is a linebacker from the Indianapolis Colts, 6'1", 241. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016 out of Florida. He is going into his third season, kind of more of a run-stopping linebacker than a coverage linebacker. He's had some issues in coverage and kind of in general a little bit with some assignment issues. Uh, Certainly that popped up on tape a little bit. He's started 19 games over the past two seasons, so we certainly got that going for him. 161 tackles, which is very, very impressive, and 109 of those came last year alone. He's had no sacks, one pass defense, no interceptions. So from a playmaking standpoint, something he can certainly improve upon. Pro football focus, not not a huge fan of Antonio Morrison. Uh, 35.8 grade last year, ranking 83rd among inside linebackers. Our resident Indianapolis Colt expert at the Packaday podcast, Tyler Grezegorek, I kind of asked him for a little bit of a scouting report. He said he's a very polarizing figure. The talent's there. He's never really put it together. You see the flashes on tape. Uh, He's kind of got shipped out due to some scheme issues, didn't really fit in their new 4-3 scheme. Not the best in coverage, more of a thumper, slow in decision-making, thinks a little bit too much, but might benefit from a scheme change in playing under Mike Patton. So that was kind of Tyler's scouting report on him. He's going to wear number 48 for the Packers. One of the really nice things is they take on no guaranteed money in this deal. He's got two years left remaining on his rookie contract, fairly cheap overall. And if they cut him, they lose absolutely nothing. So you obviously put out the article today, Jack. Give me your thoughts overall on Morrison. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head. From what I looked at, the guy seems to be a thumper. You know, he's going to be, he's not going to be the replacement for Oren Burks, which was, I think, what everyone was thinking immediately when they saw the trade for a linebacker, given that Burks missed with a, well, I think it was a dislocated shoulder. It looks more like a Jake Ryan replacement in my eyes. If you're going to get that uh, first and second down guy who can kind of come in there and stop the run and don't, you don't really expect much of him in the pass game. You know, he's probably going to come off on second and third downs or obvious passing situations. And this probably is going to make it a little tougher for a guy like Greer Martini to make the roster. So, you know, he's not a lock to make the team, but um, it should be interesting to follow. And it it should shore up that what was becoming uh, an extremely thin inside linebacking group. Yeah, McCarthy mentioned today one of the big things that they liked about it was that he's a little bit more of a veteran presence. You really think about it, either, even with Burks, you've got Blake Martinez, uh, who's obviously played here, is going to have the the sticker on his helmet, so he's going to be the one calling the plays. But then you've got rookie in Oren Burks. You've got a rookie in Greer Martini. You've got, uh, you know, Ahmad Thomas isn't a rookie, but he's never played a snap in the NFL. And then, you know, Marcus Porter, those guys, the rest of the guys aren't going to probably make the roster, but you've got a lot of inexperience there. So he at least brings that 
you know, veteran presence a little bit to the team at that position. Yeah. And I mean, if injuries do strike as they often do in the NFL, we can at least assume that the wheels won't totally fall off because of that experience. You know, if he does have to take the communication helmet or something like that in the event that Blake Martinez is gone or, or whatever happens, you know, you have someone who's who's at least established themselves as a quality NFL tackler as someone who could stop the run. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head as well. You know, he can be a platoon player. He's not somebody you're going to want to be playing three downs, but if you've got a, a pass defense specialist, that inside linebacker, you know, he can p- kind of be the, the yin to that yang where he's kind of the first down run stuffing defender, goal line defender. He, he has a specialty and, and he's not going to be playing all three downs, but I think he has the ability to contribute. But again, the nice thing is, is if they do release him, they've got a great chance to look at him for a week. He's a very talented player and there's really no downside. I can't imagine with them trading Pipkins that they had any plans to keep him on the team. And if that's the case, they did a solid to him by getting him to a spot where they could potentially, or where he could potentially make a team and they get a chance to look at a, a talented, but uh, you know, kind of uh up and down player and hopefully a scheme change really brings out the best in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you just, if you go back to the inside linebacker and group as a whole, you know, you have your frontline starters, Blake Martinez and Oren Burks and Martinez is you're a three down guy and kind of do a little bit of everything, but you know, just to be honest, his deficiencies are in the passing game compared to a guy like Burks and Ahmad Thomas is that speedster who's going to fill in nicely for Burks if need be, at least what he's shown so far. So Morrison kind of looks like that natural placement behind Martinez. So you've, you've essentially taken lighter versions, not by weight, just by, by skills of each of your starters and supplemented behind them. So I, it just seems like it, it fits neatly into what they have. Yeah, and if if you, any of you get a chance to look at Morrison on tape, there's some uh, some video that Jack posted as well as that I posted both on our timelines on Twitter, and you can see that he plays absolutely on fire, and he's going to make some big time hits if given the opportunity. I want to transition to Lindsey Pipkins a little bit though. As I mentioned, it looks like he probably was not going to make the 53 man roster based on this. My thought is that they probably had you know Hawkins and Waters and Pipkins kind of all in that same group. They knew they weren't going to be able to keep all three. And it wouldn't even surprise me if they kind of called Indianapolis or Indianapolis called them and they said, you know, you have your choice of the three. We have, we think all, you know, very similarly of all three. Um, but I think those are kind of in the same group and they, they probably were ready to move on from Pipkins. I really liked him a season ago. In fact, on a per play basis, I had him as my second highest graded defender. He didn't have a ton of plays, but on a per play basis, he really made him count uh, he really had some nice tape from a season go. He played confident. You know, one of the issues I think this season is for whatever reason, I just didn't have, see him have that same hunger, that same desire that he had a season ago. Last year, he looked like he came in and was ready to prove everyone wrong that he was not drafted and that he was supposed to be here. And this year, it kind of seemed maybe like he took his spot for granted or at least regressed a little bit from you know, that fiery standpoint. So I thought that was something that was interesting, but I think this really opens up a potential opportunity for Hawkins or Waters. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I was surprised when they, when they shipped him off, but they traded him based on the value that he showed in those last, you know, those last few weeks when he came in, he was a sticky tackler. He played some decent coverage, but I, you know, I always have to pinch myself and, and wonder if we set our expectations perhaps a little low for these cornerbacks based on what we've been used to seeing the last couple of years with so many injuries across that 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 position group and how open the throwing lanes have been. He kind of came in there and played some scrappy ball and his stock was relatively high. And like you said, if you're going to cut him, you can at least get some value and they get, I think, what uh, Morrison is a fourth round pick? Correct. Yeah. So they get a, you know, they, they, uh, 
third year, fourth round pick linebacker for him. And then you kind of let the the bottom of the cornerback depth chart fall where it may, you know, hopefully that guy isn't really playing many snaps, whether it is Waters, whether it is Hawkins. And I know the team was extremely high on Waters uh, preseason last year before he got hurt. I haven't seen a whole lot from him, but then again, you know, like, you know, the preseason all 20, there's no preseason all 22. So it's really hard to get it in an idea of how these wide receivers and cornerbacks are truly playing other than the highlights and other than the people who have access to it and they're tweeting it out and you're getting a, a second viewing of that. So, you know, good for Gudikins for kind of flipping that and getting something out of it. Um, a little bit surprising, but I just don't have that many expectations of a guy in that fifth or sixth cornerback spot actually seeing the field. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope they don't have to see the field too much. And uh, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think if there is a player that has some potential at this point, you know, Josh Hawkins stood out a little bit. Uh, I agree with you on the fact that Herb Waters hasn't shown a lot to me. They may still like his potential. He's still really young from a cornerback standpoint. Really, this is the first time he's gotten on the field to play cornerback in a non-practice situation. There's been these preseason games. So if they feel really confident about him, maybe they could keep him around. But I like Hawkins at this point uh, at that six corner spot. You know, I think Hawkins probably has more athletic upside because he has that speed, but I not, I'm completely confounded about that last cornerback position because I had Pipkins kind of written in there. Yeah, it'll certainly be something to keep an eye on. And, and we'll obviously know in about a week who they ultimately decide to keep. Could be a couple of those guys. Mm-hmm. Wanted to touch base on a couple other noteworthy items from today. Uh, the big other news other than the trade was that Oren Burke's injury seems like it's not going to be serious. They don't have an expectation, or at least they didn't release an expectation. Uh, and it still could be an injury that puts him out for the first couple weeks of the season. We don't know. But McCarthy at least mentioned that it was not a, a serious injury and it's not going to keep him out for an extended period of time. So that was a huge sigh of relief from Packers Nation. And Ty Montgomery also fine. It, it sounded like he was walking around just fine and, and he kind of blew off his injury. So that's also good news. Kyle Murphy was apparently walking around in a, a walking boot. I'm not sure if a bruised ego can result in a walking <laughs> boot, but uh, he had that injury as well. Uh, and then he also made a couple other mentions that I thought were noteworthy. One, he said that Brett Hundley was the highlight of the night from uh, Friday night's game. So I thought that was interesting. He, he also put it in perspective that the quarterbacks had almost no chance behind the way that the offensive line played, but he did mention that Brett Hundley was his highlight of the night. So I thought that was interesting. And then he also mentioned at this point that Jason Spriggs is the top backup offensive tackle at both positions. So if either Bulaga or Bakhtiari were not able to play, Jason Spriggs would be the guy who would come in to play either left or right tackle at this point. I know uh, you had placed on Twitter a couple days ago, and you and I had actually both been discussing it a little bit, that in the last couple preseason games of those backup offensive tackles, Jason Spriggs was maybe the best way to put it as at least the the least worst of the the group. Give me your thoughts on Spriggs a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that after the second preseason game, my – initial inclination was like it was a it was a paper bag disaster paper bag over the face but then I went back and I looked at him really closely and it just seemed like no it was Murphy that had the really bad game and you know Spriggs had his share of kind of ugly reps but I don't know Spriggs is kind of like it's like it's like healthy foods you know you find the one that's tolerable and you and you choke (laughs) it down because it's good for you but it's not like your ideal you know bacon cheeseburger that you're dealing with so but based on what I watched and rewatched from Friday night's game and then the last week I I think he's put together actually two decent weeks in a row and I've essentially charted every single snap that he took on Thursday and then I focused on him a lot he seems to be getting more comfortable 
kind of positioning himself between him and the pass rusher. And last year he struggled a lot where he couldn't keep his coordination and he would get caught leaning a lot and get beat inside or he'd get pushed backwards too easily. And he just seemed to be guessing, but now it seems like he's really latching on. He's getting that initial punch down. He's looking a little bit more reliable. And I don't know if the weight has anything to do with it. I know when I was at practice last week, Tuesday, I noticed that he had the brace on there and that does I mean, that, that there's a reason why college guys can get away with wearing the braces, but NFL guys don't. It's because they're a lot faster. And, you know, maybe he's dealing with a little bit of that. But so far, you know, it's not great. But offensive line tackle depth in the league overall is bad. So the fact that, you know, they have him who's not great but isn't terrible is probably a win, to be honest. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I was kind of kind of bring up the same thing and the fact that this is not a issue that is just a Green Bay specific issue. If you look around the league, backup offensive tackles, I mean, starting offensive tackles are incredibly tough to find, much less backup offensive tackles. If if you've got one of your starters at tackle that go down, it is a huge, huge issue. And uh, I agree with you. I thought, and I've been harder on Jason Spriggs than just about anyone. Uh, I've said that he was done and, and I, I did not think that he was going to bounce back. I had real questions of whether or not that he was going to be able to make the team. The the issue I have with Spriggs is still just the mental lapses. You saw it again with the false start penalty this last game. And and I think that's what really frustrates me is you've got this guy with tremendous potential that just has these mental lapses, but it's the last couple of weeks I will, you know, I absolutely admit looked a little bit better than what I'd seen in the past. And McCarthy echoed it again. He was, he's their top backup offensive tackle at both positions now. So I think he, he sees or is obviously seeing the same thing that you were seeing. You had the article uh, earlier this week that, you know, showed some of your takeaways from the, from the game. You can find that on the Packers wire. And uh, besides the offensive line issues, two other things you touched base on were Jamon Moore and then Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson. Just touch base on kind of what you saw in those three players. Essentially, Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson are flashing athleticism absent scheme. They're showing us that they can make plays regardless of what system they're in, which is encouraging because what we've seen the last few years is just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times on third down, you know, you play your corner ball, quarterbacks about 10 yards off the ball, and then they catch, you know, a, a dig route for 12. And it happens every single third down, and they just could not get off the ball. And finally, it looks like you have some guys who have very natural athleticism. They're natural football players. They read the field well. They seem to play with a little bit of pep in their step. And it's just nice to see that, you know, hey, they could have hit a couple home runs with the, these two picks. And then if if what we're reading about Packers camp with Kevin King, they could have one of the better young secondaries in the league. Now, this is optimism season, so I'm going to temper those expectations until we start to see some of those things in real time against you know, real bullets once the season starts. But so far, I like what I see with with Alexander and Jackson. And then with Moore, we talked about this, you and I, Andy, kind of went back and forth. I think you said something about, you know, a quick bubble screen or something like that just to get his uh, his confidence going. And I totally agree. I, I don't know if anyone else has played the game, but, you know, I, I it looked like he had the yips to me. He was getting separation. He was doing a lot of the stuff that I think he had natural confidence in, running the routes. But then once that ball came, it was getting in his head, and he just couldn't finish those catches. And then he explodes on uh, – on Friday night and has himself a nice game. And he had a night, I don't remember the exact pass, but it was a down the right sideline, I think from Kaiser. And it was, a, it was a pretty tough catch, but he, he reached out for it and he made it. And I think he's uh, I think he's got his feet wet now and he, we could start seeing him stacking success as uh, McCarthy calls it. 
Yeah, that's certainly the hope. He is ahead of the rookie curve to me in every step of the way, except for actually, you know, completing the catch and and doing the things that he needs to do at the end of the play. But his first step, his athleticism, his quickness, his leaping ability, his ability to separate from corners is all well above where a fourth round receiver should be. It's just finishing the play. And I'm I'm hoping that with the confidence he gained, I thought the great thing was if you listen to the interview that he had over the over the week last week uh, prior to the game, he did not lack for confidence still, which was great to hear. And he had said, you know, corners are still going to pay when they have to cover me. And uh, he he showed that and backed it up on Friday night. And hopefully this was the first step in the right direction to a very promising career. And totally agree with you on on Jair and Josh. It's we thought very highly of, of Rollins and Randall at a similar time in their career and at least in their rookie season, but this totally feels completely different. And the NFL is about playmakers. And I think they got two of them in Jire and Josh. So uh, very, very excited about both of those players and uh, definitely go out and make sure to, to read Jack's article on, on his takeaways from the game. You won't be disappointed. Do you want to transition to our next segment? You and I are going to be going through our absolute 110% lead pipe locks to make the team. So if there's even a 99.9% chance that a player makes the team, uh, we're not going to count them as a lock. We're looking at 100% chance, and uh, this does not include any you know trades or injuries that might happen. We're just saying today, if, if the roster decision was today, these would be 100% locks to make the team. We're just going to kind of alternate back and forth. We're going to kind of do this lightning round a little bit. But, Jack, I'm going to let you start with quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, I'm pretty confident he's going to make it. That's that's not a hot take. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I don't want to say – I'm not 100% sure on neither Hundley or even Kaiser. I mean, I, I think they're they're probably all three going to make it. But, you know, if I have to stake my life on it, I could, I could see them rolling with, you know, two quarterbacks for whatever reason. I could see them shuffling, you know, keeping all three. I could see them trading away one of the guys. And that's why I'm just not comfortable – throwing a lock on, on any of the other backups simply because, and I think this goes back to Friday night, you know, we were hoping to see like a clarifying game from one of the backups, but the offensive line play was so bad. It it was hard to get a read on what these guys are doing and and if they've improved at all. Sure. No, I, I could see where you're coming from. I'm going to, this is our first one. I'm going to actually disagree. I'm going to say that Brett Hundley is a lead pipe lock. That is my bold prediction for today. I don't think I'm going to get much bolder than that, but I think he is 100% locked to make the team. I think he's going to be the backup quarterback, and then I think it gets interesting from there. I know that wasn't my segment. I totally stole it from you. Oh, I don't care. All right, I'm going to jump in with running backs. I have three that are locks. Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, uh, who will be suspended the first two weeks. So he'll be a lock once he comes back from that. And then obviously Jamal Williams. Uh, And this includes fullbacks as well. I don't see either fullbacks as locked to make the team, nor any of the other running backs. I think this one's fairly simple. All right, I'll let you do wide receiver. I'll give you the tough one. Yeah, this one's tough. So the way I I tiered it in my mind three ways, the locks for sure 100%, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Ellison, and feel very strongly about all three rookies. And then I just, I don't don't think Trevor Davis is going to make it. He hasn't played, can't make the club, can't in the tub. And Jay Kumaro, he just, he's, he's 26 years old. He's the second oldest wide receiver. He's been extremely productive, but there's just, there's a lot of promise in these rookies and uh, I think you mentioned this earlier on one of your other podcasts, but you're not guaranteed to get any of these guys re-signed in your practice squad uh, if you cut them, nor do they have any allegiance to you. You know, they right. 
they're independent contractors essentially, and they need to set themselves up for the best chance to get a paycheck. So, you know, you can hope to sign them to the practice squad, but if you, you know, you cut Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez Scantling or Jamon Moore, because you think, you know, they just need some more developmental time, you could lose them. And they look like guys who are raw, but they could produce in, in due time. So I have locks on the top three and then it just gets really muddy and I'm just happy. I'm not Brian Gutekunst and I don't have to make that call. Yep, 100% agreement. I only had three on my list, Adams, Cobb, and Allison. I'm 99.9 on Jamon Moore. I don't think he's going anywhere, but not quite ready to put that lock on it just because of the depth they have at the position. So uh, I 100% agree with you. I gave myself the easy one again at tight end. To me, it is Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis that are the locks. I could see them going in any different direction with the three and even number four tight end if they went that way. But to me, there's only two locks with Graham and Lewis. All right, I'll let you jump in with offensive line. Uh, so obviously the starting five, Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, McCray, Balaga. I think Jason Spriggs obviously is going to make it. I think Kyle Murphy will just because he's that next tackle. Those are my locks. I don't. It, it it's kind of seems a lot like the wide receiver group where you have this this similar grouping of players who you can easily make a case for them, but I wouldn't really put them as a lock. So I like Panky. I like Patrick. Um, I like Dylan Day, but I, I don't know if I would put them in the in the category of a lock. Yeah, mostly agree with you. I, I like Dylan Day as well. I did not put him as a lock. Same thing with Lucas Patrick. The only difference I had with you is I did not have Kyle Murphy on my lock list. I still think he probably makes it, but I thought he at least worked his way in the conversation of could he potentially get cut or maybe IR now based on the injury, but uh, it, could he get cut based on his performance? So that was the only difference I had there. Uh, defensive line, I had five locks, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Mo Wilkerson, Dean Lowry, and Montrevious Adams. I think Looney has a chance to make it. I think Embu has a chance to make it, but only five locks. I, I don't see any of those guys getting cut, and I don't see anyone else being sure enough to be a lock at this point. I have full agreement there. Uh, I'll give you Edge Rusher. I have five, so outside linebackers, Clay Matthews, Nick Perry, Reggie Gilbert, Fackrell, and I know Beagle hasn't had a good camp, but there's no way they're cutting him. This is essentially a redshirt, redshirt freshman year. And I, have the out, I have Chris Odom on the outside looking in, but those five in a very thin position grouping, I think, are locked to make the roster. For sure, the top three. Yeah, you were a little bit bolder than I. I actually just had the top three, Perry, Clay, Gilbert. It wouldn't 100% shock me if they cut Fackrell or if they cut Beagle. I think both are going to make the team. I feel pretty confident in that, but I... I wasn't willing to risk too much on it. I just had the top three, but yeah, I'm just going to place an addendum on that. The top three are, are my 100% locks. I feel very strongly on, on Fackrell and Beagle. I apologize to all the listeners for playing outside the bounds of this segment. <laughs> You're all good. We'll forgive you. I promise. <laughs> uh, inside linebacker. I've only got two Blake Martinez and Oren Burks. I don't think Morrison, Ahmad Thomas or Greer Martini are, are locks at this point. I think Actually, I don't know. I, I, this could go a lot of different directions, especially with the trade for Morrison today. And uh, I have only got two locks. I don't know where else they're going to go at this position. It wouldn't even shock me if they still brought in someone who, who was released maybe at cutdowns or even made another trade, but only two locks at this point. Yeah, I was going to agree with that last point that you made. Like This feels like a position that they might scour the other waiver wires and see if they can't supplant it with someone else. But otherwise, Burks and Martinez are, are my two locks. Perfect. All right, corner. Tremont Williams, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, Devon House, Kevin King. I think those are all safe, 100% lock. Oh, no, no, no. Let me take Devon House off of that. I think those top four are definitely in. 
Yep, I have the same four, Tremont King, Jair, and Jackson. I think you're right. I think House is probably in two, but wasn't really ready to put the lock on him. So I think the top four are fairly simple there. Mm -hmm. Safety, this might be my other bold take, and I think this this might get a little crazy. I only have two as locks. I have HaHa Clinton-Dix and Josh Jones as my locks. I did not lock Kentrell Bryce. I think he's a really, really strong bet to make the team. Obviously, he's been running with the number one safety group. He's probably as close to a lock as you can get, but he hasn't played great. And I've I've seen players before where they give him a ton of playing time and they just never respond to it and they get let go because of it. And, and maybe another player or two steps up. I think he's a very, very good chance to make the team. I, but I think if there could be a surprise cut, if there's a surprise cut on this team where you're like, wow, I did not see that coming at all, I think he could be the guy. So I'm not predicting it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just wasn't ready to put the lock on him, if you will. Part of it, I think, is a function of not being able to see a whole lot of a safety play, given sure. the, the tightness of the camera frame. And we don't really necessarily know you know, what it's looking like, what their responsibilities are. And I, I think that's kind of the problem sometimes is we don't know what their assignments are. So they could be looking bad on a play that they're actually holding up there into the bargain. Um, so I, even Josh Jones uh, has not necessarily looked good this preseason, but you know, I, I don't know. I feel like they're just, they're, they're holding back. Something's going on, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Bryce doesn't make it. I, I like him. I think he'll make it. I would put a 90% stamp on that. Yep. But like you said, there are there are reasons that something surprising could happen. All right, we'll finish it off with special teams. I'll let you run with that one. Mason Crosby, J.K. Scott, and I, I don't know, uh, Zach Cruz was tweeting out after the game about some of Hunter Bradley's snaps. So I'm just going to go Zach Triner, right, the other, the, long, yep. the other long snapper. I'm going to say he beats out the draft pick, which is more of a head-scratcher than the J.K. Scott draft pick, which I actually liked, but I'm going to go with those three. Uh, no, I'm not going to. I keep screwing this up. Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott are my locks. I'm not going to lock any of the, uh, the snappers. Nope, I'm on the same page. Two locks, and I think Triner makes the team too. And I'll actually be more impressed with Gutekunst if he just owns the mistake of of drafting a long snapper rather than trying to keep him along, even though he's not the the best one on the team. That's going to happen. He's had an absolutely phenomenal draft by all accounts. Gets the first next year, gets Jair, gets Josh. Oren Burks looks like a stud. You know, they've got one of these receivers is going to be great. Uh, I really feel that way. I don't know which one yet, but I have a strong feeling one Mm -hmm. of them at least will be great. They've got a a punter that's going to probably be on this team for a very long time. And I think Kendall Donerson and maybe even Looney have some upside where they could produce down the line. So I think he, he absolutely crushed this draft and no worries. If you, if you biffed on a long snapper way late in the draft, no big deal. Cut ties now and keep the better guy. You don't want an iffy long snapper going into two divisional games in your first two weeks of the season. I, I think you got to make the smart move there. Yep. All right. We are going to transition then. One quick thing that I put out on Twitter, and I'm only mentioning it because it was literally like locked in a 50-50 tie forever. I, I put this scenario out there, and it's a ridiculous scenario. But if you had the choice between uh, trading two first-round picks, the Saints and the Packers pick next year, for Khalil Mack, or the Packers' second-round pick next year for Earl Thomas, which would you rather have? And I'll let you answer that first. Is it just this year, or are we assuming that they're getting a contract extension? We're going to assume that both get contract extensions and they stick with the team for a little while. I'm going with Khalil Mack for the the. I looked this up before, and well, Khalil's 27 and Earl Thomas is 29. 
the wheels can fall off for guys who need that speed around 30 years old. And I just think that Khalil Mack, yeah, more expensive, but he's going to give you a few more years and is going to really turn this team around for the better. I, I love Earl Thomas. I think he shrinks the field. I think he's, if not the best safety, at least one of the top two, three safeties in the league. But I think I'd have to go with Khalil Mack, even though it'd be a, more of an expense. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the right answer. I go back and forth on it. it. It's kind of two things I generally don't like. At this point, safeties are very, very undervalued. You see guys like George Aloka getting cut and then signed to minimum deals. Eric Reed's still out there. You, you know, Kenny Vaccaro and Trey Boston just got signed for peanuts. You know, Tyron Matthew, a really, really good safety, signed for a one-year $7 million in the offseason. So safeties don't have the same value that they once had. Even the best one in the league at Earl Thomas at age 29, like you said, coming off injury, slowing down a little bit, does he still have that much left in the tank? But if he's if he's Earl Thomas, it's a complete game changer for the defense. So that I think there's there's some excitement there, but not not sold on the safety position and having that much value at this point. And then Khalil Mack, obviously stud player, but you're giving up two premium first round draft picks plus a massive contract. Uh, that's generally a really tough thing, but I think if I had to had to take it. I'll go with Khalil Mack, who also barely won the poll, 51% to 49%. So uh, overall, I think we're on the same page there. I do want to mention a new piece of artwork that is out there. And uh, Daniel Duffy, who you can follow him on Twitter, at Real Art of Words, put out a new print, uh, 16 by 20, $49.99 in cost. Every Packer's name from 1919 to 2017 1,686 Packer names in total, and it, it's word art. So it's it's all the names, it's all spelled out, and it creates uh, this gorgeous picture of Lambeau Field. No idea how you do it. I can't paint by number or do anything artistic. So it, it's an absolutely incredible piece of work. I went out and legitimately bought it. As soon as I saw it, I'm going to hang it in my office at work. So super pumped about that. It should get delivered this week. But uh, go out there, go to his website. Uh, the website is uh, artofwords.com. And uh, again, follow him on Twitter. You can purchase the the piece for $49.99. And uh, as a bonus, uh, something cool that we're doing, if you go out and follow at Packaday Podcast uh, on our Twitter and retweet uh, the tweet that we put out there about the piece of art, uh, you are actually going to be entered in for a chance to win uh, that 16 by 20 print. We're going to draw a winner at halftime of the last preseason game. So go out there, follow us on Twitter, retweet it. And if you get a chance, go out to artofwords.com and definitely pick this up. It's going to be an awesome Christmas present. It's going to be awesome for your office, for your living room, for your man cave, for your woman cave, whatever it is, go out and get it. It's absolutely awesome. Jack, thank you so much for joining us today and joining me today. Uh, I, I enjoy every time I get a chance to talk to you, whether it be on Twitter, a, a draft, you know, a live event, a, a podcast, whatever it is. You do fantastic work. Really enjoy your stuff. Uh, you can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Wepfer. Uh, you can read his work at PackersWire.usatoday.com. So, Jack, thanks so much again. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. You bet. We'll have to do this again sometime for sure. Make sure to follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. Tomorrow, Ross Uglum and Jacob Morley will be your hosts. Uh, give them a follow and make sure that you listen tomorrow. They always bring some really unique perspective, so can't wait to listen to them tomorrow. And then lastly today, on, on a more somber note, I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, but earlier today, the, the shooting in Jacksonville during a Madden tournament really shooken up by this. This is something that's very near and dear to me. Uh, I, I've participated in these Madden tournaments before. They used to have them in Green Bay. 
And uh, anytime anything like this happens, it's it's beyond words. I'm not going to do anything justice here. I'm just very, very sad thinking tonight about the family members of those that were involved uh, and just my thoughts and prayers go out to them and, and just keep them in your thoughts as well. Um, so I'll end on, unfortunately, on that note. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Ross and Jacob. As always, go Pack Go. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside the four. Rogers shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes! to Matt Adams. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone. Rodgers from the 42 New York. Fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield. Scrambles right. Now winds up. Rainbows into the end zone. It is Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.